Welcome to the Hear Me Media Podcast. I am my favorite sci-fi trope, and I'm joined by Frank. Frank, how are you doing? Hello, Leon. I am currently, uh, I suppose, my one of my favorite sci-fi show- tropes, which is big ship. Just very big ship. That's that's Ship neat. do be big. Ship do be big. Why does ship big? Ship big. But what is bigger ship? Ooh, bigger ship, you say? That's yeah. nice. And why is it always called a dreadnought? <laughs> For fuck's sake. And we're talking about we're talking about the paradox game Stellaris. One could argue a alternative or a release by the uh, studio Paradox Interactive, and it is about uh, it's it, well, it's sci-fi, I guess, is the thing. Um, if for those who have been with us for a while and might remember the Crusader Kings episode, this is once again a sci-fi version of that. Yeah. So. That <laughs> this is what that that's uh, that's what that is. Uh, for those who don't haven't listened to that, it's a map game, galaxy map game this time. Galaxy map game, yeah, still map, still uh, very two D mm-hmm. up to a point. <laughs> and uh, once again, Crusader Kings was like a culmination of a bunch of medieval things, <laughs> and those things were <laughs> those things were handled in a. How do we say this politely? With varying degrees of competency. Yeah. Uh, we talked a little bit about that, right, Frank? <laughs> Somewhat middle of the road. <laughs> yeah. Well, some were really good, I would argue, and some were less. Oh, so. yeah. Average overall. <laughs> the large expel jury button is always in the very forefront of my mind. Uh, single click expel juice button. For good reason. <laughs> Yeah, it's it's always like uh, when I recommend a game like that, I was like, "Well, don't worry, don't worry." Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, I, I get to say that no, um, but yeah, it it is always a bit uncomfortable, isn't it? But this this time, this time, I would like to continue the spirit of that discussion a little bit, mm-hmm. um, both in why this game makes me feel less uncomfortable versus the other one, and uh, just. How do we deal with sci-fi? Yeah. And the scope is very large. Maybe we can, once again, we will get into Solaris. Um, <laughs> I I got the idea that Frank and I would like to complain a little bit about the media landscape at the moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a general reminder, the SAC After Strike is still going on. So please uh, consume all these things responsibly. We're talking about video games, which are probably not involved. So far. So, <laughs> yeah, right. Really surprised. There might be some overlap as in some company who owns shares in, I don't know, NBC or some, I don't know, American channels, I'm sorry, in Disney or something. Well, it seems that uh, SAG-AFTRA is pushing for voice actors as well from in video games to receive a pay as well, a pay raise as well. And that could include a strike in the field of video games of voice actors. So oh. and no one knows exactly how or what that could mean in terms of a result in a very practical sense of like how would delays happen how would things change who knows new territory incoming yeah it's very interesting just wanted to do a very quick polite and shout out to that again as we will keep doing as this um strike keeps going on outside of our country that we do yeah sympathize <laughs> with this because we all live in the american culture of hegemony ah <laughs> ah uh, not necessarily just American. I would say Western is a more accurate yeah. descriptor. But uh, 
first amongst uh, non-equals, I would say, American. <laughs> but yeah, that's not here or there. <laughs> and this is also a European studio that we're going to be talking about. But anyway, it's fine. True. So, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I'm just going to like very quickly t- uh, mention that. More about that probably in the next episode um, of HBM. When we are joined by a bunch of special guests that, if you have been paying attention, know already. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> But yeah, no. So uh, there are a couple of things happening in the larger media landscape. A, a big game came out, a game that's <laughs> twenty years old or something, in development, <laughs> I believe. Do you do you know exactly how much? Or I you... don't know a lot. But so, wow, right? A lot, a lot of yeah, power. a lot. That's <laughs> a lot. That's uh, yeah. Well, anyway, so it's uh, it's Starfield, right? Um, yeah. The first release of Bethesda. Under the Microsoft banner, yeah, and what a release it is! Yeah, it's a Bethesda yeah. game. It's solidly a Bethesda game. How, how about you start us off? <sighs> I'm 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 gonna be uh, blunt about this. I didn't. Re- I don't. Didn't. Still kind of don't care about Starfield. Like it, it was just generally <laughs> indifferent because like there's a lot of promises that are not gonna be kept. There's gonna be a lot of things. It's gonna be a little messy. Or a lot of a, a great deal messy, and uh, it's probably it, does that mean it's not going to be fun? No, it's probably going to be somewhat entertaining or somewhat fun. It's also deeply overpriced, uh, I think oh. personally. Yeah, because uh, I don't care. <laughs> I don't care. I think it's overpriced, <laughs> and uh, yeah, it looks messy. It has. Some interesting things, to my dismay. I, I admit that I, I saw some stuff. I was like, this, these things alone kind of make me want to play this shit. Fucking hell. Why do I feel like this? Anyway. Frank and I's relationship started with bonding over maps and sci-fi. <laughs> so yeah. uh, we are both like big um, sci-fi nerds in that regard, I suppose. Yeah. I don't really like the term nerd anymore, but that's not here there. <laughs> um, <laughs> come, come on now. But... That being said, I think yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna one up Frank here and be a bit more rude. Mm-hmm. Um, it was never gonna be good. It was never <laughs> gonna be that. It was never gonna be good. Come on now, it's it's. I am so sorry. I hate to be like. No, I don't. <laughs> but I I would prefer not to be like this. I think that's closer to the truth. Um, but what I'm trying to say is that so a thing that I'm really frustrated by and the surprise surprise I hear I come again with the sociological angle. Social angle. That's not, that's not say sociological yet. <laughs> but having said, I I I've been following people. Not really. I I've seen. I've I've in a, unwillingly jettisoned into my eyeballs. Have witnessed discourse about this game. Of course, and we all have. <laughs> and the horrors are unending. But so am I. I do not perish for the years. But um, it's uh, it, it has been interesting. I would argue because I I see this. I'm I'm older now. I'm <laughs> I I am I'm getting older as 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 anything subjected to space and time gets sometimes, and I've seen this cycle multiple times now, and I'm I'm getting tired, Frank. I'm getting very tired. <laughs> um, <laughs> what I mean with that is that a studio, but <laughs> <the>, whose <laughs> whose name rhymes with Bethesda. Um, is has promised a bunch of things in the past, haven't they? And people have gotten very excited because of that. And somehow, 
when they came for Lasis, Frank, you wouldn't believe this, <laughs> but it turns out that the promises were not handled responsibly. There, I say accurately, we can not get bogged down in how, accu- how a- the accuracy label should work. That's a whole thing from legal and whatever perspective. <laughs> Don't want to do that. <laughs> they swallowed the promises from a man, a very specific man, uh, Todd Howard and his boss, Pete Hines. I don't know if, if he's still the boss of Todd Howard, actually. But anyway, my point being is that they, the, the man Todd, uh, who might not be fully in charge of things and should not get the lion's share of the blame, maybe, but he is the spokesperson. Yeah. And he continues to be thus. So, um, fuck him. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that's that's a bit unfortunate. So he does he does deserve a, a share of the blame pie, if you will. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, I want to I be reasonable here because people have been yelling a bunch of things. So, that being said, him his continuing, con- continuously uh, promising things. You see that mountain? There's an invisible wall there now. Um, that's that's kind of the state of Starfield, I believe. And for people at the same time, do I think you should lie as a person that sells the thing or as part of a team that sells the thing? Absolutely not. I think that's uh, that's court. That's uh, that's <laughs> get into court, get sued if you do that. I don't think you should be allowed to do that. That being said, I, I do think that once again forming laws around that process can have very adversarial effects. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the best choice would be to stop buying their games. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but imagine that. I don't necessarily always uh, argue for boycotts and whatnot, but it, it's not even a boycott. It's just the games are not good. Buy other games. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, Okay, well, anyway. So yeah, they, they lied about like... Um, well, I, once again, they were... I'm very, very uncareful with their promises, but people have been also very unresponsible with their enthusiasm. I feel mm-hmm. we should know better. If yeah. you're aware of the Todd Howard memes, you should know better. Yeah. I'm sorry for dragging on about this, by the way. But no, I that's feel quite strongly about, the, about this, apparently. Um, Clearly. <laughs> yes, because so much, so much discourse is generated by this yeah. because of this. There. I don't know. Do you have anything to say? I'm sorry. I, I, again, I, I'm still largely indifferent. Yeah. I, I there's the there's the, the little part in the 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 reptilian brain that's like <laughs> I mean more regarding to the uh, people not understanding promises. Thing. Oh yeah, no, I I I think I I I couldn't agree more with that. It's like over promising. It's like that was blatant, obvious. If you had any sense of it, so it's like yeah, it's it's a uh, and I I think further than that, it was like it was fairly clear i think to anyone with any sense that starfield was going to be messy very messy in bethesda's usual ways which is terrible fucking practice like do better bethesda for christ's sakes yeah it is however overpromise studios incorporated oh yeah that's, that's literally bethesda you know, you oh, know? oh yeah I, I think that they're champions of that and it's like hilarious because like oh bethesda releases buggy non-working stuff I, I mean if you haven't yet read Leon's text on Skyrim uh, and where where <laughs> he'll go next on modding but uh, modders literally fix the fucking games games plural yeah. Starfield included 
So more about that later, actually. Eventually, like yeah, we'll 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 yeah. do deep dives, dives multiple uh, on that because <laughs> uh, it's, it's a lot of things. But in relationship to the Stellaris, there's a very interesting story about modding. But go ooh, on. I would like to hear it. And yeah, I just yeah, it, it it's what it is. But you know, there's there's that part, that part which is not that repressed of the lizard brain. That's like you know you 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 wanna you wanna see the trash fire, you wanna play the trash fire, you wanna get into it, you you wanna see how how far the terrible rabbit hole goes, don't you? Um, and and uh, I will confess my sins. I do. I'm not willing to spend the money for it. So, yeah, that's that's the bottom line here. I uh, I would play it, but I'm, I wouldn't buy it. So that, that there's a dilemma there, I suppose. Uh, not really. Let's be honest. I'd like to do space piracy. I think that's the bottom line here. Anyway, shall we talk about a game that's actually <laughs> more stable, uh, but definitely more generally a more... Well, it, it delivers on its promises <laughs> a bit more. Shall we talk about Stellaris? A game that listened to their fans? What? Those don't exist, Frank. Do tell me more. <laughs> uh, never said that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, it is very interesting because... Um, the game that we talk about is Baldur's Gate three, obviously, which is like the big, the big one. Um, yeah, I I don't necessarily care for con- conceptualizing gaming uh, games in the following manner, but I do I do love some I do love some very very spicy speculation. <laughs> I'm very fascinated by the idea that a lot of people are saying that Baldur's Gate could beat the Zelda game for Game of the Year. I don't think so. Americans are obsessed with Zelda. I love. I like it. It's a good game. You know, you 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 live. You remembered me of a thought I was having earlier today. I was like, "Well, what game will probably win Game of the Year?" I mean, I said so when it came out, at least to myself, that it will de- it would definitely be Zelda. But Zelda definitely has yeah. some more competition. At least it's probably still going to be fucking yeah. Zelda. Let's be honest, because <laughs> uh, fuck the American market. <laughs> no, but I'm wondering. So far, uh, there are still a bunch of big titles coming out, but. If if you're willing to to amuse me for a couple seconds, of course. Uh, if you could nominate four games so far for game of the year, what would you? Where would you be? Like I can nominate a few, but I think I'm going to nominate those that I think would be nominated or like have a real shot at mm. nomination. I think Starfield, Starfield will definitely be nominated. Really? Of course, okay. of course. It doesn't mean it's going to oh, win, and okay. doesn't mean it's that great, but it'll definitely be nominated. I mean, there are a lot of games coming out this year, and it did have a bad launch, so. Did it? Well, I mean, it, it's having a lot of glitches because it's a Bethesda game. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but yeah, okay. don't know in terms of sales, really. Hmm. Right. I haven't read up on that yet. Yeah, in that in that aspect, because like I think, oddly enough, uh, let's let's not get into the, the Bethesda fan base, and not in a detriment, but like the fact that we expect it to be buggy and terrible, and that we almost half accept it. Yeah, Google Stockholm syndrome. Moving on. Yeah, basically. Um, and and I'm, I'm including myself as a kind of parallel figure to that or join it close enough. Anyway, so I think yeah. those uh, two, um, well, Tears of the Kingdom, of course, of Starfield, course. Baldur's Gate 3. I don't, here's the thing. I am loving, because I'm playing Armored Core 6. Don't think yeah. it's game of the year potential. Like, at least not, 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 a, Subjectively, probably for for myself, but I don't think it's that strong as a contender for it. Although it is a kick-ass and much more stable game, and much more solid. 
Uh, but I don't know. I mean, uh, Spider-Man 2 might be one of the nominees for it. So let's say Baldur's Gate 3, uh, Spider-Man 2, Tears of the Kingdom, Starfield, yeah. Those four. Yeah. What about you? Okay. Uh, I think definitely Armored Core is going to get a nominee. Nomination, sorry. That'd be nice. I'd like um, that. Yeah, no, I, I think so. I think FromSoft is now just a high-profile studio yeah. because of it winning multiple Game of the Years with Sekiro and um, Elden Ring. Yeah, true. And true. just the general cultural impact of Bloodborne, which, once again, not necessarily game because it is linked or um, narrowed down to one console or one platform, the PlayStation platform. Yeah. Technically two consoles with four and five, but you know you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, Point stands. <laughs> and, yeah. So, moving moving on from that, it's... um. I, I, I do think that then Umber Core uh, is going to be one. I think definitely Spider-Man is going to get one, but yeah. we'll see because that game isn't out yet, so I'm going to move on. From, <laughs> leave that out of the selection for now. Mm-hmm. Uh, Armored Core, Spider-Man, Baldur's Gate... Uh, no, Armored Core. <laughs> Armored Core, Baldur's Gate, Zelda, of course. Of course, Zelda, of course. And is there like a fun game that came out this year? Probably. It's a lot of games there's, coming there's out. There's going to be... There's always like, you know, like Stray last year. There's always going to be one of those games in there, which I'm fine with, by the way. It's it's, it's okay. Uh, sadly, probably the new uh, Call of Duty is what I was going to get, like, in Call, uh, whatever. Wait, I hope not. You think so? I, I hope not. I hope not. Oh, uh, right. That's the one I was thinking about. Um, Final Fantasy 16 is what we're going to get. Oh, one. definitely will. Definitely will. So that's that's my guess so far, just to con- to be a bit contrarian to your uh, Starfield uh nomination there's a bunch of games this year that's what i'm trying to get at i don't know if there's a specific set of slots i believe so right like six jeff Keighley award uh, <laughs> uh through the game of the year award which there it's a bunch of but the ceremony that calls itself game of the year yeah um <laughs> yeah okay fucker anyway um it's clever it's clever it's whatever but um yeah no uh, i I, do, I don't know that there are like six slots for Game of the Year, six nominees, mm. six nominations. Yeah, I don't remember. Yeah. Well, anyway, it doesn't matter. doesn't matter. <laughs> so, uh, Baldur's Gate 3, um, and it, it has immense success. Apparently, um, people have been linking it spiritually to Dragon Age Origins, a game we've been talking about. Right? Yes. Um, and uh, a game that uh, whose sequel Frank has not played yet or finished. I'm even playing. Though it started a while ago. I'm playing. Yeah, sure. Sure, Frank. Uh-huh. <laughs> Anyway, it's uh, I'm sure you're thinking about it while you're we are piloting your little robot Mac um, <laughs> and uncovering uh, my dark deep Eldritch secrets. Yes, yes, uh, listening to a little Evangelion uh, soundtrack. <laughs> no, it's uh, <laughs> it's it's uh, it, yeah. So this this linking to again, it's you know I have strong feelings about, and <laughs> as you can tell, if you have listened to the episode about Dragon Age Origins, yes, but uh, not. Moving on from that, it's uh, or continuing with that, it's it's very interesting that there is a lot of reminiscing about that. I've seen a bunch of social, like like a lot of social media posts, so that warrants me talking about it. <laughs> Fair. Um, with people like uh, Bioware community fandom places saying like, "Oh, uh, I'm really happy for the Baldur's Gate fans." There's no such thing, I would argue, as a Baldur's Gate fan because the original Baldur Gates fan, I'm, I'm one of them, um, don't necessarily recognize, I would argue, uh, this game, which is fine. 
Um, I, well, I, I don't think it's unrecognizable or anything. Um, they put some people from the Baldur's Gate 2, I believe, in there as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, haven't, I, haven't, I haven't had time for Baldur's Gate 3 yet, so I'm sorry, dear listener. But um, but just generally their disposition towards companion-based, storytelling, um, a group of people that does an epic fantasy quest, which is what a lot of people think Dragon Age is. And I'm not saying they're wrong. Mm-hmm. I would argue we could do with some yes and. It's it's that plus, plus a couple other things. Don't look for secular answers regarding texts, I would argue. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, but this, once again, put also a spotlight back into the Bioware corner, as yeah. in you are mentioned by a, indirectly in, through discourse, by a very popular product. A very, 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 very popular product. 500,000, what was it again? Like there was like a, uh, I forgot how many, like a, a couple, like a hundred thousand people were like playing the game concurrently. Currently, there um, are four hundred thousand people playing it on Steam. Uh, all the peak is eight hundred and seventy-five thousand. Jesus Christ! For a single-player game, that's uh, that's that's insane, right? Yeah. So <laughs> I mean, it's mm-hmm. um, I was I was checking the rankings and I was checking them for I've been checking them for a couple of weeks. Right now, first. Counter Strike Global Offensive, second Dota 2, third Baldur's Gate 3, fourth Starfield with 170,000. Baldur's Gate 3 is at 400. It's like the first two, obvious, fair enough. But like for a game. On Steam. Yeah, yeah, on Steam. It's it's insane. It's insane. (laughs) Yeah, no, definitely. And I think that's very. I'm. I don't root. For games, you know, um, but I do think that this this cycle is a bit more healthier than your average video game development cycle, from what I've heard. <laughs> so I am happy about yeah. that, at least that they're doing well. However, because through Discord, Bioware got mentioned a lot, yeah, and so these the gaze was like uh, also like one eye drifted off, so to speak, to look at what Bioware was doing, and Bioware responded with. Firing thirty people, yeah, and I'm like, ooh, ah, hmm. <laughs> there was a strong moment there for you to like capitalize on this momentum that was so thoroughly facilitated to you or for you through this discourse. Is it necessarily very tangible? No, but is <laughs> was this the right? Was this the alternative? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I mean. <laughs> Firing among among those people, people who are involved in the game that people are praising the recent game being compared to, so it's like, yeah. I, I I mean, there's there's stuff which I find illogical, stuff that I find unreasonable, and then there's stuff that's like I cannot fucking grasp what could be the possible reasoning involved in something like this. It escapes any conceivable logic that I can feasibly imagine, and I well, they're already planning it, right? They're what probably so. They were already probably planning it. So if you usually within companies, if uh, if there are going to be layoffs, this is going to be decided like two months in advance. True, true. Depending on the sector in which you operate, in which you know the company exists. Um, no, that's probably, probably already right. like yeah. So they they first announce it to the shareholders, and then you know the people who are really affected by the layoffs, the people who get laid off, uh, they get known. They get they get tell, told last. Of course, uh, because you know fuck them. Oh yeah, uh, fuck your the people who make your shit. And that's a great philosophy to have. 
Uh, I don't necessarily want to blame Bioware, the company, for that. I am, but I I am saying like they have they're they're bought and paid for by a certain company we all know, <laughs> um, called Electronic Arts, and they have a terrible track record with buying studios and killing them. Yeah. So, and then like you know that's a whole thing anyway. Uh, maybe we'll do a different episode of that. We're already really going on long enough, but um, it's uh, yeah. Uh, fuck that is all I'm trying to say, real quick. And oh, yeah. I feel very strongly about the Starfield scenario and this scenario. <laughs> so I needed to talk about that for a bit. I'm so sorry. That's fine. Um, yeah, <laughs> that's uh, yeah. <laughs> it's just that was the wrong move. That's just the wrong move in general. All the while there being this nothing memo that was public uh, published. By like, um, I I don't even want to. It's, it's so depressing. It's just like, yeah, we we regret the loss of jobs, blah blah blah. blah. However, we need to go on like more focused and more. Uh, oh, <laughs> it uses the word. Okay, so it's little little little. Inc- you 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 don't have to believe me, dear listener, but uh, mm-hmm. I know a little bit about corporate speak and like you know how to how those type of people think and address things. Mm-hmm. And whenever the word agile. And transition are in those. Are, uh, don't laugh. I'm being serious. I know. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I know. Don't worry. <laughs> it's just when when those two words meet, if they are next to each other, agile transition, you're fucked. Um, but if they are in the same sentence or in the same paragraph, that's still bad. Um, I, I I don't I can't get into this. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But I I whenever somebody says agile, we need to be more agile and transition into. And like only trans people are allowed to say transition. Shut the fuck up. Hey, yeah. It's it's just <laughs> no, but I don't know. It's it's just it's bad. It's usually a very bad sign. And once again, I love Dragon Age. I would have loved to see the fourth one. But they are seemingly reaffirming their stance on Dragon Age as a surface. Yeah. So having an online platform to your single player non <laughs> A non-friend having player base <laughs> like that it's a bit rude i'm one of them don't worry um i, I do have friends but I, I don't game with them a lot oddly enough but that's not anything out there I, uh, I every so often i'm like oh i would like to do that but I, I don't have time and then we all have different consoles like they don't have pcs most of my friends have consoles yeah and like anyway it's fine it's fine don't worry about it <laughs> So yeah, that's the, uh, sorry for taking so long, dear listener, but I need to get that off my chest. And it is something that's happening in the media landscape. Yeah. So there you go. H- HBM, we cover media generally as well, uh, because uh, yeah. uh, at least it's not a book. <laughs> so Space Conquest space. expansion game. Yes. Space map game. Or company game. Yeah, or company game. Or toxic waste game. Toxic waste game. That's, that's also fun. Or... <laughs> so the scope of the game Stellaris is really large and really broad. Yeah, you get to design a whole species. That's something, right? Mm-hmm. And it's um, and you can design their ethics and ethos and ideology and their little physical traits and whatnot. And um, well, this is already quite a spicy topic within sci-fi. Uh, how do we say this? world building i don't like that word necessarily yeah. but the, the building of the setting of the story is going to be and so forth and so on that all um that a species can have a singular ethos is very interesting mm-hmm. 
Um, even though they then can split off, and those same species can later on have a different ethos. Yeah, I, I think it. You do this setup. You build this civilization or this empire. You 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 change how the that government works and something. And, and we can maybe talk about that. Maybe not. Uh, how that changes or not really, and that's maybe the, the kind of the issue. Uh, you can make a a zealot empire or a democratic egalitarian society and fundamentally you're not playing different games not as mechanically so to speak but anyway and i find really what what i was going to mention is how um there's something interesting about like okay you you design the civilization these this people this species all of it but it's almost as you de- design or define a snapshot out of it uh, a snapshot that you start playing as because things start changing and things can change. And uh, as Leon's mentioning, like, okay, the official civ uh, <laughs> uh, position is this, that, and the other. But a variety of different interest groups inside your civ can want to push in different directions. And you can ignore them, oppress them, embrace them and, and adapt your sieve uh, over time or not. And I, I think that's something interesting about it. That's like, yeah, you you do this whole setup and it, it's kind of weird. It, it's uh, very much top down, but it doesn't necessarily stay that way. So it's, it, I think it's uh, given all due proportions and all relative uh, caveats there, it's not a bad deal out of it. That's like, yeah, you you design it all. Yeah, that's what it is. But not really. Because sure, the Empire's position is this, that, and the other. But uh, is that everyone a pop? Uh, is an unknown amount of people uh, deliberately? <laughs> One population, please. Uh, yeah, still, uh, Paradox will never tell people how much is a pop. But pops... <laughs> can have different... No, they've, they've said so on Twitter. We'll never say it, or something along those lines. And okay. it's... Um, different pops can have different uh, ideologies. They can have uh, position themselves in different ideas in relation to internal and external politics, culture, whatever. And I think it adds a kind of historical sense that, like, yeah, no, this thing isn't static, isn't purely static. You, you define an origin to an empire. It's like, how did you get here? But that still feels a little wooden. But as you play, things can change in different aspects. And you can end up with an entirely different empire at the end of the game as when from when you started. So I think that's, that's nice, given how, like... Because uh, it doesn't necessarily become just a coat of paint... One of the things that Leon and I were talking about, and I think this is something we're definitely going to get into when talking about Stellaris, is, I mean, it's a sci-fi thing, so it's the technological development and the idea of progress in this game. And I will start off saying it gets away with certain things because it's the future and because it's sci-fi. It's not trying to be a kind of historical thingy even. I mean, I don't think Civilization, at least for a long time, has called itself a simulation game or tried to reach... To that idea, but try to play this historical idea, even similar to how Crusader Kings does it. But 
uh, where you know you have the tech tree and you go through it and you advance. So that's how you get from that to that. And you essentially you start as that civilization and you are that civilization by the end. Nothing has fundamentally changed. Oh, you change the culture. Oh, you change this and the other. Yeah, it's still the same. It plays pretty much the same. It does and it doesn't, right? Um, yeah, mostly. You, you have some interesting asterisks there with the. Once again, I don't want to get too mechanical in there because <laughs> because we, uh, people are either either you already once again the thing that I yeah. always say, and I'm so sorry, dear listener, but you either already know or you don't, or you're not gonna know. Exactly. You're not gonna fully understand it. Uh, I will explain some mechanics because it will have once again it'll be interesting towards the discussion, but um, I am not gonna place those mechanics within a broader context that I think I should responsibly put them in. <laughs> Mainly because that will make the episode five hours. Fair. Um, because it's it's once again it's 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 a it's a paradox game. It's a map game, and it's also very um, antagonistically and sometimes meme ishly, if that's a word. <laughs> if not, it's it's one now. Deal with it. It is one now. Um, it, <laughs> no, but um, it, it, meme ishly, it's called a, a spreadsheet game. And sure, yeah. sure, I will, I will, I, I won't deny this, but. If you say there's only the spreadsheet, then you just don't know how to play the game. That's fine. That's fine. Yeah. That's fine. Don't worry. <laughs> uh, steep, steep learning curve. You know, <laughs> as someone with ADHD, I get it. I get it. My sibling, it's okay. Um, <laughs> I'm not one to judge, <laughs> but uh, even though you, you do seem to be, but uh, <laughs> that that all put aside, the uh, there's some aspects there with the whole uh, synchronization stuff that you can do. You can get certain perks and get like uh, embrace eternity type of stuff uh, going on there and like you know change your species fundamentally yeah yeah oh just to, just sorry to, to cut in um but my point no is that like other games like civilization don't really yeah. feature that historical change over time despite them intending to like it's still fundamentally the same save from start to finish yeah stellaris not quite i feel a great sense of estrangement by uh Byz- uh, Roman Byzantine Emperor Trajan um, b- being Trajan, tra- Trajan, it's Trajan in English. Sorry, sorry. Um, I, I don't like the language. Um, <laughs> every day I suffer. But it's um, by Emperor Trajan, who then drops nukes. I <laughs> or Cleopatra <laughs> telling me she wants me to sell her the Tales of Canterbury. It's, uh, you know, there, <laughs> or, you know, me talking to Kublai Khan about the, about uh, Dostoevsky. It's, it's, it's a bit, you know, it's, sounds like a great short story. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> it doesn't necessarily work as a serious strategy game. So I, I do think there is room for silliness. The thing that I then like about Paradox is that there's room for the supernatural, there's room for silliness, there's room for like, you know, um, uh, what would otherwise be conceived as estrangement yeah but it's wrapped in a cloak of uh silliness more about that another time maybe. oh yeah definitely but, um yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what i mean with that is that um there is a good balance in between the things it takes seriously and the things that don't doesn't take seriously yes whereas civilization is a more more cartoonish which i find civilization is a digitalized board game oh yeah whereas paradox is more "Quote unquote true um, grand strategy." Yes, it doesn't have turns. It has a uh, it has this hourglass that you can pause and unpause. But everybody moves at the same time, mm-hmm. and when people get to move, you get to decide as player. Unless you're doing multiplayer, uh, don't worry. I'll talk <laughs> very quickly about the multiplayer later on. 
but um, not as a thing unto itself, just as an example to talk about a game. But yeah, no, it's very interesting what you're saying. Um, I find, and this is going to be, you know, the, the general idea behind um, a thing we struggle with regarding games mm-hmm. and especially mm-hmm. Paradox games. Yeah. That its scope is very wide. And, but despite its wideness, it will never be all encompassing, right? Of course. Um, it, it can't be. Yeah. So it has to, the, 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 important design choices for these kind of games is to decide in where do we fold material into its into itself yeah where do we narrow it and this is uh once again this is really difficult like where do you draw <laughs> these lines yeah what do you zoom out what do you minimize um so how do you fold um space essentially i suppose yeah um and and so once again what's one pop we, we don't know we don't know um <laughs> and that is then once again, I think that's very interesting. I think it's fine because at the end of the day, this is all indicative of the game not forgetting that it is a video game. Yeah. I think that is a very important thing as I've talked about a couple of times <laughs> by now. Um, I'm so sorry to repeat myself, but I do think that's a very important thing for a game to do, to not forget that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, I just wanted to like very quickly also say about what you said uh, the um, that we have talked about. The feelings that I wish were estrangement <laughs> um, <laughs> regarding the whole... Um, once again, we've talked about this on Crusader Kings. We also then very briefly talked about another Paradox game called Hearts of Iron, yeah. in which a couple other issues are present. Oh, yeah. I can let go of those issues a little bit better in a totally fictionalized setting. Yeah, exactly. Especially if, uh, exactly. Yeah, a sci-fi one. Do I let go of them entirely? No. There's still some e- easiness there. For a multitude of reasons mm-hmm. that deserves their own episode. Yeah. I just say that when I don't want to talk about a thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I do want to talk about it eventually, maybe. Who knows? But it's um yeah. So this this you can be quite ruthless in these games. You can enslave whole species, you can blow up planets, you can do mass, like a mass genocide. And it's yeah, it's um oh boy. <laughs> yeah, I, I in a in a those moments once again. It's 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 fine because it's so not us, right? Yeah. Even though we recognize the conceptualizations of the most famous example for uh to use the most famous example as a stand-in, we all recognize what a Death Star represents. <laughs> but we but we do not hopefully fear it as much as a nuke, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I do think that is then the wonderful quality that's that is inherent to sci-fi, but you know, maybe you can. Maybe how do you feel about that? <laughs> Let me say that. I I think what's what's interesting. Uh, I want to pull on, on one of those threads that you mentioned before getting to this point, uh, which is how, you know, the, this sense of estrangement that is so distant that that because it is sci-fi, it allows that. I think that this veneer, this different construction that is like alien, that it is this thing that it is separate, it allows for a, a kind of handling of those ideas in a somewhat more uh, massive inverted commas there, but to a point, objective sense of like, okay, it, it's like, oh, these, uh, the X or Y are bad, but they're not bad. The, the th- they're bad because they're fanatical purifiers. Uh, which uh, in-game means they want to annihilate everyone who isn't them and doesn't believe in the stuff that they do. 
So mm, yes, yes. This uh, there's something about how sci-fi and at least Stellaris kind of takes these senses because every empire save, uh, calling them save because uh, not every save is necessarily an empire, but how every save has a. Uh, is is it called ethics? Yeah, I I call them ethos, but yeah, the the the, the tab is called ethics. Yes. Oh, perfect. And you you pick uh, two or three of those depending on a, a few different conditions, and that kind of shapes up your saves uh, identity. It's like oh, you we are collective egalitarians, perfect, or we're uh, xenophilic pacifists. Yes. Or so on. Or we're xenophobic militarists. Or we're materialist yeah. militarists and, and so <laughs> on. And yeah. uh, in a way, because they And all these are familiar ideas, right? Like, uh, the thing about sci-fi is that's like, oh, it's predicting a different future. It's showing something utterly distinct. And at the end of the day, it kind of really isn't. I, I would argue that maybe sometimes if it really be push against the wall but generally no because these are all very human ideas and understandings of reality but they're applied in a few different combinations and senses which allows uh, which can allow for a separation of like oh it's this species but uh, it's because they they believe and act in accordance to this and it's not as objective like oh x or y are evil i mean that's not really a thing Mm-hmm. But I, I think this, the use of a familiar system onto a non-familiar one, which is pretty much the general operation of sci-fi always, in any way, shape, or form, works quite well in Stellaris, I think, because there's a recognition of, like, what is this behavior or is this understanding or this posture or attitude, really, uh, while also engaging with, how do I frame it, with what could be distinct or, or what could be alien, and there are certain pushes on there when when it becomes less clear. But I think in terms mm. of the uh, different saves or empires, it's it's that framework, and I think that's kind of interesting how how it does that that it isn't as obvious or as it's like oh it's them and they're always that. It's like no these these species these saves these empires have different ethos and, and different attitudes yeah. in different positions they make every problem a political one basically yeah i'm sorry i don't know if that's what you want to say no that was i, I think in okay. uh, not so many words well, i think that's very interesting because i that's <laughs> to be to be obnoxiously leon about it <laughs> um that's the thing that i love and hate about it i mm-hmm. uh, not hate that's too strong a word or let me, better let me conceptualize it uh, in a different way mm. what how paradox games uh, seduce me if you will, <laughs> uh, besides playing Careless Whisper, their setting seems from before I buy the game <laughs> um, or even when the game's already out like and, and, I, and I see what, what's going on and I see other people play it. Mm. I, I, I can project my desires to create my own speculative fictional narrative <laughs> onto the game. And they seem to be able to facilitate that. Yeah. Um, create your own species. Create your own ethos. Blah blah blah. In space, a space, and Bye. it's a space. 
And it's, <laughs> and it's, you know, that's great. And I do think it succeeds in that in a couple of ways. Yeah. However, it does, <laughs> it, it does fall. It's incredibly difficult to do, right? It's, it's, it's oh, incredibly yeah. difficult. <laughs> um, I do will, I, I, I do will say, <clears throat> I will say that it succeeds better than its siblings in a bunch of ways mm. regarding this perspective that I've just outlined. Mm-hmm. I think Hearts of Iron has a more painful, direct, <laughs> material way in it facilitates, <laughs> as in I can transform my country into a communist state, whatever, I don't know. <laughs> and like I can like decide what to do and like I can kill Nazis. That's cool. I can kill like literal Roman... Uh, I can kill literal <laughs> German, uh, you know, uh, from the little German Reich. And you, you um, can build your own tanks. Yeah. And <laughs> okay. Oh, that little joke there. <laughs> I yeah, I've complained. Um, I've As complained you a lot about that. Uh, to Frank, because I used to play uh, when we hang out. I used to play like a little strategy game on the side while we hang out. And I've complained a lot about the uh, finally learning how to build boats in a game. And then so that's when they were like. We're gonna we're gonna make you build your own tank. Fuck you! And then it was like, okay, well, I know this kind of sorta. And they're like, well, yeah, you're gonna build your own airplane. Fuck you! And we're like, fuck! <laughs> stop! Stop! Stop doing this! <laughs> I, I I don't care for this min maxing. I and I do think then that's I do like building my ships more in this game because you can build your own cruisers. Yeah. Your own, you know, um, you have your generic uh, sci-fi cl- uh, ship class system. Yeah. And Classic navy designation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, there is more to say about that. I think I'm going to say that for an Expanse episode. Mm. Uh, about, like, its delineation from naval uh, warfare. Mm. But that's that, that's fine. It's a minor note, and it's not that, not that interesting for this one, I would argue. <laughs> um, or it's not the most effective one, Fair. I'd say. Um, thank you, thank you. It's a, So, despite having a DLC called Utopia, <laughs> I don't necessarily feel I'm creating a utopia. No, um, it's very dis- distant. Yes, and um, so once again, this is where we talk about like the folding of space. So it's, it's, its micro elements are not present in the social cultural sphere. I'll no, argue. no, they are. This is very zoomed out and very large. And <laughs> I don't think Ursula K. Le Guin would like this game. That's <laughs> what I'm trying to get <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know, know how uh, she felt about video games. I do need to find out. I, <laughs> well, what I'm trying to say is that um, the beauty of her prose is that it is it can be a very macro scope, but she never neglects the micro. Oh, yeah. Is, is that something you agree with? And, and, and she navigates both. When she does yes. one, she's always doing the other. And that's like, yeah. she's doing macro while doing micro, and she's doing macro while ma- doing micro while doing macro. While not fo- not while not trying to focus both, but focusing one and achieving both, I'm like fucking hell. Yeah, <laughs> and this um, yeah, <laughs> and the only scope that I would argue is both micro, uh, or the only section that is that both gets a macro and a micro perspective is the economical one. Yeah, in this game. Yeah, which I I have to admit I sadly do like. I do. I fully understand sometimes how certain planets work, regarding their little little squares, the little colored squares. No, no, I do not. I am. I'm. Go- I'm gonna cut in with something that's like, oh, you you don't understand some of the economic aspects. That's fair. Uh, it's fairly complex. Uh, th- there's a, a, a an interesting tidbit. The because you manage a handful of different economic assets all at once. You manage minerals. Yes. You manage energy, and, and you manage you manage food. 
and you manage consumer goods. Alloys uh, and special gases. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I forgot the alloys, right? Um, yeah, can't forget the alloys. Uh, which are the stuff you use to build ships a lot, a lot of the time. And um, but the funny thing is, like, okay, uh, or why am I telling all this long-winded joke? Uh, no one knows what the fuck the consumer goods image is supposed to be. No one knows. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's like I, I yeah. recommend you, listener, Google Stellaris consumer box. goods. If you can tell us what that image is supposed to be, generally, congratulations. Nobody knows. Nobody fucking knows. You'll get a. Uh... You, you'll get a, an, an honorary distinction if you know what it is. Yes, you will. You will. So, yeah. No, but... Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, that, that, indeed. So it's that level of complexity. Not even the iconography makes sense sometimes. <laughs> but but that is... The, uh, the, I do think then um, that is... Uh, this is linked, and it's not just the economy, but the economy mm-hmm. is more important of this. Yeah. I, what I love about this game and how it rifles its um, counterparts, its siblings, whatever the fuck you want to call it. Mm. The other Paradox games, the other Paradox uh, grand strategy games, because there are more than, you know, not there's also non-grand strategy and so forth and so on. Yeah. And um, so mainly Crusader Kings, Hearts of Iron, EU4, and, uh, well, let's not say Imperator, shall we? Victoria we Free. We don't talk we, we don't talk about Imperator anymore. Um, we don't. It's, um, <laughs> we don't talk about that. <laughs> it's, it's by paradox request, I suppose. Um, indirectly, of course. But uh, in all seriousness. And, and yes, Victoria 3. Um, forgot about Victoria there. And it, it, um, I haven't not played a lot of Victoria 3, and uh, I'm waiting until it has more DLC. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so, but yeah. So, I, I, it, will, it will eventually maybe get its own episode. Who knows? But Excluding Victoria Three, uh, disclaimer here from from my analysis, but how Star Wars holds its own is that at the end of the day, in Crusader Kings, Star Wars, whatever, you need an army. You eventually do need like a big fuck off army that's, yeah. that that does a lot of fuck you damage. Yeah, and <laughs> sorry, and um, yes, yes, ultimately, do I think. Is the militar- militarist, authoritarian, ethos combination OP, uh, to use gamer terms? <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, yes, I do. It's also really fun. Yes, yes, sadly. sadly <laughs> it's, it's, it's really fun. It's really fun to play that. But the other ones are also very fun, I would argue. Yeah. Uh, I enjoy being a egalitarian uh, um, materialist. I enjoy being, like, once again, um, the other avenues towards what one could suppose is victory or recognize as such yeah. are more broadly accessible than um, than Hearts of Fire or Crusader Kings or EU4. Because at the end of the, uh, EU4, maybe it's also been a long time since I've played that game. I'm so sorry. I, I think Crusader Kings is the only one that sometimes offers alternatives to that. Yeah. Uh, keywords sometimes, and those alternatives are much harder than direct war or any kind of war. Well, the problem is that yes, diplomacy is very cool in a game, sort of kinda. Even though there's a lot of buffering between waiting moments, that you get to make one very small, um, one very quick <laughs> uh, diplomatic decision, and then you have to wait a very long time until <laughs> that that another economic uh, di- diplomatic economic decision pops up. There, okay, there is no economy actually in the Crusader Kings, not not really. <laughs> um, which is well, it's it's fine, it's fine. I I. 
people underestimate the medieval economy, but that's that's not a hint there. But I, what I will say is then that I love um, one of my favorite memories of all Paradox games is me doing a multiplayer session with a bunch of people that I used to hang out with, and um, I <laughs> I generally introduce them to Paradox games, mm. me and a friend of mine, and 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 you know I like explain them to them and like you know it's just. And eventually they were like competent at it. And Ooh. we had like a big uh, Star Wars multiplayer game. And, you know, not that it was fair because I, <laughs> I had like 100 hours in the game already. <laughs> so so uh, they, they, they never stood a chance to begin with. Hey. No, uh, it's... Uh, <laughs> but once again, I didn't pick a military ethos. I picked like a material, materialist one. And what I love about this game is that, that the, despite me having some concerns about the micro, the macro is handled really well. Yeah. At least way better than the other uh, contemporaries of this game. Yeah. And what I mean with that is that, you know, once again, there was another player that was a militarist and like had a, had a bigger fleet and whatnot and had a really big fleet. And I was like, oh, that's that sucks for you because I know uh, which resources you have and do not have. So in this oh. game, there is a galactic market and everybody is bound to this market because it's galactic. <laughs> surprise, surprise. The clue <laughs> is hidden within the title. And what I did right when I kind of knew that they were going to declare war on me, I flooded the market with like uh, the resources that they also were selling onto the markets. So the price of that good, of that, I don't know what it was, energy, minerals, whatever, I don't know. The price of that good that they received a lot of money from like plummeted because I flooded the market. So there was a lot of that good on the market. So all of a sudden, that guy had like negative energy because he had a really big fleet. <laughs> so oh. he was like selling off stuff to maintain that fleet because that costs a lot of energy. So I could like meta strategize my way out of a war and I've never felt more badass <laughs> in a Paradox game than that moment. Nice. And I just by understanding different dynamics and everything being allowed to be used as a strategy is mwah, chef's kiss. That's amazing. That's so. Uh, that's uh, that's the story that I wanted to get in there. I'm sorry. No, that's a very good story. And I think it illustrates really well how Stellaris does all that. And and I think that comes to fore when, when playing with other people. Because sadly, that there is uh, in the game the uh, galactic union, which can be like, a, which can devolve into federations. Space UN. Yeah, <laughs> the AI, the AI is very weird about that. It, it doesn't work as it, it, for a multiplayer game. I can imagine it's like with a lot of saves that can work wonderfully. With the AI, it's always a little stunted. It's not. It's never very satisfying. It's like a weird numbers game where it's not very clear, and you're either on top or you're middling or not or you're terrible, and uh, there's not. It's very difficult to claw up. <laughs> Uh, and to make that thing work for you, other unless you like rule it, so it's weird. It's very weird. Like, which is then easier through an authoritarian playthrough and so on again. And, uh... Exactly. It, again, with multiplayer, I can imagine that's a lot of fun. But otherwise, it's yeah. uh, very not as it doesn't work as well as it could, or we'd like it to. Well, the problem is like once again, how does the computer talk to itself? Yeah, uh, I don't want to say AI anymore because that's a whole thing now. Oh yeah, um, yeah. but what we used to call C uh, CPU logic, you know, the thing that the game was coded to do. If player does this, then I do blah blah blah. Or I have a probability to do this, this, this or that. Yeah, 
And uh, we can get into that in maybe another episode, mm-hmm. but because it's very interesting. But uh, I would love to talk to somebody who like knows more about coding and because mm. I know a little bit, but not enough to like get into it proper. But I would love to do that, especially with regards predominantly with regards to video games. Mm-hmm. But it's um, but that put that put aside. <laughs> so what I I do find the AI is not very smart in in Stellaris. I do think it's decent at times. I yeah. argue. Yeah. In comparison to, just to elaborate a little bit more on what I like about Star Wars versus uh, Crusader Kings. In Crusader Kings, you do need a, a fuck you, ar- <laughs> a, a fuck off big army, you know? Mm-hmm. Because at the end of the day, uh, yes, you can form all these very, very important alliances, and th- th- those are very good and all that. And th- 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 they help, they help. Mm-hmm. Um, however, you do need your presence in every single war. Yeah. So it's really cool that if you want to like focus on economic place, you're like gold, gold. I want so much gold. And yes, you can like kind of buy an army with that, whatever. But like to to you know invest in all of that, or like have a very diplomatic character and go like a less aggressive diplomatic route, <laughs> that can backfire. Yes, you have allies, but those allies have an enemy commander that was like the kid that had like a glue bottle in each nostril. In, in elementary <laughs> school, that's the guy in charge of that army. It is not very smart. It it, it leads its 10k army into a mountainous region with high uh, what is called again attrition. So it, <laughs> it's so it's so fucking stupid. It's it, it doesn't rush your capital. It doesn't. Uh, it's it's not good. Um. So once again, mods have an interesting thing to say about this, but. That that is once again. I do think its AI is a bit more competent compared to the other paradox oh, games. Yeah. Maybe Hearts of Iron is an interesting one in that one as well. Mm. Even though once again, there's 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 a bit of like uh, you know funny brain moments in that one as well. But yeah. So yeah, that that's a good point. Sorry. No, no, I think you're <laughs> right. I, I think the the point is like this specific mechanic of like this intergalactic diplomacy, which is really difficult to make work more than other systems. The other systems generally work a lot better. But this is the one that I feel like I'd like this to make sense uh, or work or be influenced in a more interesting way. And it j- right now doesn't, which uh, oh, I'll mention briefly, you know, it's, it's a paradox business model. So like uh, it was one game and now it's a different game because of a lot of DLCs yeah. and expansions and stuff. Although not only that, Stellaris is, is an order kind of game because... The 1.0 version is very different from a base game version Ooh. right now. I will say Stellaris yeah. is also the game that I've whose development I've liked a lot. Yeah. Compared to others. I agree. <laughs> Hearts of Iron. <laughs> no, no, that, that was it. I will say it, it it's DLC has generally, not always, not always, <laughs> but generally uh developed upon along lines that are meaningful. Yes. Meaningful enough. So I will say kudos to that. Yeah, and to very quickly, just real quick, add it to the point that like the the, the high difficulty space UN mechanic, for instance, that you just mentioned. Yeah, I do want to specify, and I think this goes for you as well. Feel free to correct me if I'm wrong, but I don't mind difficult. I don't mind once again complexity and like t- things taking a very long time. I don't, but the trajectory of this very difficult long process need to needs to develop along clear lines. And this is not always the case, I would argue. The game is not necessarily always very good at telling you things. 
this goes along the whole paradox <laughs> fields, whatever. And the selection, uh, there's a better word for it. The whole paradox design process has never been focused on telling you things very clearly. What they do do, what they do sometimes do instead, is refer to their own wiki in-game. Uh, yeah. No. Don't. <laughs> just, just. I, I get it. It's not the worst solution. But... Um, Give me an in-game wiki. Give me an in-game wiki. Yeah, they do love their toolboxes, if you know, you know. Um, it's, <laughs> which do help sometimes. I think Crusader Kings 3 has a decent toolbox system. Yeah. I don't know how you feel about it. No, I like it. I, th- I think it works quite well. Yeah, it's also the most accessible game. Crusader Kings 3, I would argue. Very easy. Well, <laughs> okay, sorry. Mm-hmm. Very comparatively easy to get into, which is good. Which is nice. Yeah, um, we like it. <laughs> doesn't make it less. The thing that I then want to get into, uh, keeping an eye on the time as well here, <laughs> is that Paradox, uh, and, and as, as I recently wrote a little bit about, well, I didn't re- write about it, but hinted at that I'm going to write about <laughs> uh, uh, mods and stuff, yes. as you mentioned earlier, uh, as a beautiful tool of, once again, we will do it ourselves, community, community-generated content, uh, compound storytelling, and so forth and so on. Yeah. Once again, I think there's there's there's... <laughs> This has so much potential, uh, so much. And like people doing things themselves. Wow, what a concept. <laughs> and we don't mean to sound condescending towards like, oh, people are lazy or whatever. No, it's more like uh, things being created outside of capitalism somehow are very creative. Imagine that. Imagine huh. that. Anyway, yeah. Because uh, everyone gets told in school that capitalism breeds innovation. It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it, just, it just doesn't. Oh. Sorry, instead of talking about real quick as an interlude between the mods and stuff, <laughs> I do love that this game, as one of the very few games in the world, Hearts of Iron does this sometimes. This game understands that a, a leftist a ethos is per definition egalitarian. Yes. And not authoritarian. Yes. And I just want to like congratulate them on not being stupid. Yes. Yes. We're <laughs> <laughs> well, for understanding that because, you know, if, if you do want a, a type of society that is, you know, along the lines of leftist ideolo- ideological lines, you will end up in a egalitarian society. Yeah. If all things go well. If you don't, there is something that's happening in the process that sh- maybe you shouldn't. Oh. And we should put some question marks oh. <laughs> uh, around that. Yeah, you know? Okay. Not 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 going to talk about that. So back to mods. The <laughs> the mods. Um, then once again representing this beautiful potential of community and so forth and so on. Paradox. Then also once again we talk about Bethesda who claims to embrace its mod community. Every so often they try to pull paid mods, which is a whole thing. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm yeah. going to say this a lot, but that also deserves its own episode, or at least its own segment on an episode. Can't get into it now, I'm so sorry. Yeah, yeah. Paradox does also a embracing of their uh, mod community. They, they say so, they're like, oh, we love mods, we love modders, oh my god. And they have like a little highlight for them now and then on their social media. Because those poor social media managers need to do something. <laughs> it's <laughs> Sorry. But my point being is that there is an asterisk to all of this. And that is that 
they give away the toolbox to work with these mods for yeah, free. Exactly. That's good. That's good so far. Great. Love that. However, there's an asterisk that if you use that toolbox, Paradox gets to just use your created content with those toolbox and put it. Um, they 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 can just use it and put it in their game and charge other people money for it. Yeah, they they did that with City Skylines, although better, I think. Whether it's like, yeah, no, I, I think they're going to reach out, actually credit the people, hopefully give them money. I don't know, but I th- I think so, I hope. Mm. Well, yeah, maybe we should both look that a little bit more into it. Once again, yeah. this also deserves its own. Once again, I'm going to write about this. We're going to get going to get into it uh, another time. Yeah. But I just want to mention an example that I fell over because uh, I don't play City Skylines. <laughs> but um, more stupidity, I know. I'm so sorry. So there was a Star Trek Total Conversion mod for Stellaris made by a mod team and so forth and so on. And now a official uh, game or a DLC for Stellaris is going to come out that is a Star Trek version of Stellaris. Yeah. It looks very similar. It looks like very, very, very similar. Uh, there's, There's... Once again, and even though it might not look similar, the coding and whatnot, the more internal mechanics, the lines on which the CPU operates and so forth and so on, and like the program, like, you know, does stuff, that can all be very well hidden and sheltered away from your, 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 from what you can perceive on your screen, <laughs> at least when you just play the game, you know? Mm-hmm. And so this, this is, this is a bit of a problem then, um, I would argue. Once again, I don't know how we're going to get into it another time, but yeah, we do need like proper systems of like crediting people, and I do think they should get paid for it. Yeah, we can have mature discussions about how much this payment should be, and we probably never fully agree on this. I, as a leftist, probably definitely won't. (laughs) But um, but yeah, so that's that's that is a thing that I think is an important asterisk to uh, a thing that I should we should mention. yeah. So, having mentioned it, uh, is there anything you would uh, like to engage with? Mm, I think like it's um, it's rather about modding in general. That's like it is something about you know people diving into coding, artwork, and, and creating stuff in this framework. But and so far so fine. And the, there's the whole aspect of like, well the. The game should be dealing with the stuff that modders are fixing, right? Because a lot of the there are a lot of mods that fix stuff because stuff is broken, a non insignificant amount, I might say. And so that's one conversation. But the other is this: that's like, okay, these people are doing that, and on the one hand, okay, they're doing it because they want to, because they're free to do so, whatever, something like that. But then there's the then there's this company that's like, well. Actually, we can just make it ours. Or like, hey, we'll credit it, but, you know, good work. Thank you for making us money. You know, there's this taking over that's like, okay, but isn't this technically, you know, something that they're doing that they shouldn't be getting some credit or financial compensation directly because of that? If you're actually going to use this and make use of this, I think that's a very simple question, really. That's like, Okay, but okay, these people were never expecting. Okay, but if this company wants to make money off it, then by all means, people who made it should get money too. Uh, yeah, 
it's difficult because it always ends up in adding to the very large pile of that we should always be mistrustful towards seemingly kind gestures of com- of companies. Yeah. Uh, do I think as a leftist that we should always be that? Always? Yes. Yes. <laughs> Even when things go well, we should still remain hyper vigilant on that front. But putting that aside for two seconds, uh, I can empathize with the anxiety that certain um, certain people feel with regards to modding. They're like, oh, thank you for giving me this. And people then not obviously, reasonably, uh, not having read all the fine print of the 5,000 page uh, agreements to service or it's called again, service agreement. Yeah. Uh, thing that you have to sign. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then, you know, the anxiety that we feel like, oh, I thought you were not the worst. And I'm not saying that Paradox is, by the way, because they aren't, I guess. No, they Once not. again, from my personal perspective, I don't... They they don't need to be good for them to not be the worst. The worst is a lot easier to, to point <laughs> at. Yeah, yeah, no, but the problem being then, it's just... I don't know. It, it's just it's just too bad, I guess. Shrug. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And that's the beauty of modding, because we don't have those hierarchical lines. We don't have those, you know, that awful power imbalance, I would argue, then, you know? Yeah, no, I um, agree. And there's a face to people with mods who, yes. there's a fa- there's, you know, it's, yeah, it's a much, much more accessible team who have, uh, you know, and you don't have to deal with the face of corporation, a lot, or at least a lot less, you know? Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> that being said, I can say a little bit more about the engagement of sci-fi tropes within this game, but maybe there's something you would like to talk about. Is there any point left that you would like to address? I think uh, I'll I'll mention generally like how we've been talking about Solaris in a lot of different ways, and I think that's the way to do it because the game is a lot of different things. But it's it's interesting how all of the game is structured around its various scenarios and anomalies, which are the stuff that you research and find out and things that you discover and explore. I really like its archaeology system. Uh, it's, yes. it's quite fun. But all that boils down to what what is really interesting about this game. And not just this game. Crusader Kings 3 does this a lot. I don't think Hearts of Iron does it as much uh, because it's not its focus. It's in this development of like a story narrative. And sure, it's, it's focusing on an empire or whatnot. But there's this building or establishing of a lot of different stories aside that yeah. you piece together some are current some are a lot are gone or how do you do you engage with that and how they affect your present and everyone else's present really so i i think it's uh in terms of general tropes stellaris is a bit of a hodgepodge uh there's a lot of different incrementations because they can be very piecemeal that's like oh it's this event that is in reference to this and this aspect and then things go weird and that's it close off, close that door, and that's it. It's very self-contained. So uh, I think Stellaris is very successful in putting those things together, creating this sci-fi bare-bones kind of setting that is populated by a lot of these different stories and connections and things. And maybe there's an argument about, like, how do all these stories interact? Do they? Do they well? And I think the answer, though, is that they interact via you. The player, the empire, the civilization. Yes, yes. You're the focus for all these stories connecting, both past, present, and, and the ones that you're building in this in this future and the things you want to do. And that's really yeah. interesting. 
uh, how it, it ends up floating around you, even if those stories aren't about you, which I think is nice. It's like, you find these stories. They're not your stories, which, uh, which is nice. Sometimes you can decide how to, do, how to act upon them, and uh, sometimes there are consequences. There are usually consequences. Sometimes they're good. Sometimes they're fucking terrible. Uh, <laughs> and... Don't go to the derelict space station. It's not worth it. Leave, <laughs> leave sleeping Eldritchor lie. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. There, there, there are a lot of sleeping Eldritchors. I know which one you're talking about, but there are a lot of them. Uh, I, I'm just saying because derelict spaceship is one of my is is a, is a pretty good sci-fi trope. It is. I like it a lot. Yeah, that I like to declaim, but sorry, but go on. <laughs> I mean, I, I wrote a whole novella about that concept, but it was a, a space station. Uh, and it wasn't as derelict as you think. But anyway, mm. uh, <laughs> it was more haunted than does derelict. It, does it reach out? <laughs> sorry, sorry. It doesn't. <laughs> it doesn't. It didn't. Oh, anyway. Okay. Uh, although maybe in the end it kind of did. Anyway, story mm. for another time. But it, it, it engages with a lot of different aspects and a lot of different possibilities like there's uh, uh <laughs> one of the dlcs is uh the is it called leviathan oh yeah 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 it's, yeah of course it of course it is of course it okay <laughs> go on uh, leon has a big thing about space big alien yes. things called leviathan or big ships called yes. leviathan <laughs> stellaris doesn't do Evil-eared that eared listeners have picked up on that in <laughs> the star wars episode the knights of the old public episode i mean and um uh, expanse, the expanse, expanse, one. yeah, yeah. yeah. Go on, um, sorry. No, no worries. And uh, at least it's about just it's just the aliens. There are no ship types called the the Leviathan class, unless you name them thus. True, then you're responsible. Uh, but the game isn't yeah, as enough. responsible for it. It's uh, it's really interesting because like there's just these big alien creatures which everyone calls space dragons, and uh, they're weird. They're dangerous. They're deadly. So that's one thing that could happen. There are others uh, of unknown variety and design of like a derelict spaceship or a derelict space station, which is worse than a derelict space. Well, the spaceship can be as bad, but I think the station is generally even worse. And very complex event chain to narrow to navigate. Anyway, my point is, it's difficult to say where Stellaris as like a sci-fi thing fits because it brings a lot of different sci-fi stories together puts you as the, uh, you know, you're connecting those dots, both within those stories and via your sieve. And then uh, and then it's a 4X game. It's an expanse game. So it's a galactic map game uh, with a variety of different, with sci-fi elements, with sci-fi tech. But in terms of tropes generally, I think they're closer in like some of the story beats, the story setup things, some of the origins finding out that the precursor event chains, which is the only one I fucking get all the t- fucking time, and so on. So, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's interesting. It, it's a very fun game, and, and it, it's it's a hodgepodge, definitely. Yeah. But in that connection, it doesn't do that bad a job, I think. Yeah, it it's facilitates the player, or rather it tells the player that it is up for you to tie those or knit to those hodges. <laughs> Those hotches and spotches together, yeah, uh, if you will. True. <laughs> it's it's you know you need, you said it very early a uh, little bit early on about uh, I think you put it beautifully about like it's very bare bones and so forth and so on. But you know it's the player that needs to fill in those spaces. There is spaces there, there are gaps there, but that space is where you go. And I think um, 
that's the beauty of it and i think that's yeah it's um <laughs> why i like this game so much uh is once again do you think is Crusader Kings my favorite one? I cannot say no because I have the most hours into it. Uh, don't <laughs> ask me how many. Shut up. None of your business. But but the interesting thing about that is that Star Wars is like uh, the 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 third one. Sadly, I have a bunch of hours in Hearts of Iron, but that's because I used to play it a lot with uh, online with friends um, because it is very fun uh, it's, because it's just one battle. You know, it's, it's the World War Two. Yeah. But Solaris requires a bit more time. Despite it being very interesting from another perspective, I think it's other thing that draws me in. The other thing that draws me into the game is the, I don't know necessarily how to call that, but <laughs> your your ability to role play with your own sociological history. Yes, yes, and, <laughs> and that's I, what I find beautiful about that is that, uh, like you said, what I said earlier about the t- what we both have now said earlier <laughs> about the tying together of the uh, you know of those of those holes, wink, and <laughs> it's and, and and its ability then to create meaningfulness, meaningful narrative by your own hand. I think is very good. I think it's that's 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 very nice, and it's it softens the blow of the <laughs> plainness of the inserted sci-fi tropes for 10 bucks <laughs> because uh, sometimes you have to pay for them uh, but it's not even there you want to play a necroid species 10 bucks <laughs> give, give me give me give me 10 bucks give me here and um the, well, anyway that's that's the whole thing but uh yeah but i as someone who apparently is willing to shelf out the money for that as i am embarrassed to say yeah no i i i never fully regretted any of those purchases do i think sometimes they were worth it no but like actively regret uh, <laughs> not really but yeah no it's true a lot of these tropes are also are built via dlc it's like oh you want to be a, a space fish in your space fish ship give us some money it's really funny because i was gonna say space fish next as well um i'm gonna be fish man in space uh, but uh but yeah but but also at the same time you can bring in your own tropes or no well mm, um, you can bring in your own preconceived notions. Do you want to be the human em- Imperium from Warhammer? You can. You can kill all the filthy Xenos or whatever, you know, and and so forth and so on. You can facilitate that quite decently. Are there some hiccups here and there? Uh, yeah, for me there are. But do I think there's anyone out there doing it better? No. <laughs> no. <laughs> true, true. <laughs> Not even close. Jesus Christ. You have Ender Space 2 that is just very beautiful and cinematic with its little ship battles. Uh, it's like you're in a Star Wars movie, but um, which is the only part of Star Wars that I still kind of like, I suppose, nowadays. It's not even there. Uh, Gives the people who made Ender everything. That's all I'm saying. But um, <laughs> moving on. So yeah, th- I think that's a very beautiful part of the game. Um, I think it's executed to considerable degrees of competency. And um, yeah, I don't know. That's, that's, uh, I-, I like it uh, a lot. <laughs> Do I still think, once again, despite what I said earlier, that you eventually, at some point in the game, do need a big fleet of ships? Yeah, kind of. Yeah, yeah I much. have to admit that. But but I do love how much time you get to spend with not that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With not the ship, but not the fleet. You can be a mega corporation and so forth and so on. You can be a, a hive mind. You can be a, a computer neural link platform, uh, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> And so I do find that very beautiful. I find it, I could, once again, <laughs> from a political scientific perspective, I, I find their um, 
selections of ethics, very interesting, yeah. real quick, and how um, that results into a narrow selection of governmental forms. What I mean with that is that if you pick a xenophilic, uh, I don't know if that's true, if you pick a authoritarian militarist society, you cannot be a democracy. Yeah. And this is mostly good. However, <laughs> it, it, it does lend itself. And once again, this is a whole thing that I can't get into, but it, it uh, does lend itself in a, to a certain type of prescriptivism and determinism that um, is difficult. It ascribes, once again, generally people are, uh, well, I don't know if this is true because this is also so very messy, but it ascribes, it, it facilitates the possibility <laughs> to ascribe certain virtues and notions to certain forms of government. Yes. Now, how you want to feel about that, that's up to you. I, I could get into it, how I feel about that. We don't have time. But, uh, and that's also, once again, uh, it's like a whole thing. So I think they made a very decent choice and they handled it maturely enough. As well as they could. I would argue. Yeah. In a liberal kind of framework. <laughs> yeah, they don't they they once again they deal they handle it with uh decent degrees of competency, I would argue. Better than average. Better than oh, average. Yeah, yeah. No, definitely. <laughs> um, as, as I said earlier on with the whole egalitarian leftist thing. Yeah. And I uh, yeah, no, I find it very interesting. I find the choices that they pick, spiritualist as opposite to materialist, authoritarian opposite to pacifist. Authoritarian opposite to Egalitarian. Right. What's, oh, militarist, pacifist, yeah. um, authoritarian, okay, right? And then xenophilic to xenophobic. Yeah. There were more, but they weren't one? ethics. Oh, right, right, so they right. changed from 1.0 to now. There's one problem, though, which is that there's the trait of charismatic and just charismatic, maybe, and attractive, I believe, for species. Uh, you have charismatic. I know. I do know charismatic is a thing. Uh, that probably is uh, attractive as well. Well, but that's that's so interesting because that is so intensely societally determined. There is no ontological standard of charisma. Well, yeah, it, it's the thing. Um, is the thing from a long way to a small angry planet. But there's like this species that for some reason it hits a lot of nose for the large majority of species. Yeah. So I think. In that book, I kind of find an explanation to this. That's like, they just kind of lucked out in that. Yeah. But yeah, it's... Uh, no, you're totally right, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. And once again, I, um, we, are, we are fully aware that these are minor notions. However, we do need to be careful with minor notions because they can be indicative of greater problems. Yeah. And, and I would say this is this something we have to pay attention to a little bit about like how this cannot be a trait that you pick. Uh, once again... Other traits are like enduring, for instance. Their species has a long lifespan. That's that's just something you can do. That's, that's just, you know, clearly. This is a biological reality. And that's fine. You have then the ability to, once again, genetically modify your species and also to make a shift in ethos, right? Yeah. Throughout the game and so forth and so on. And I do think that's good. Again, I think everything's always changing and so forth and so on. Blah, blah, blah. And I think that's that, that's good to that they embrace this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'm trying to think if there's anything else that I want to close off on. But do you have anything that you want to mention still? Uh, I mean, not specifically. Yeah, I can try and close this off if you'd like. What is uh, what is something? What's the element of the game that you think just doesn't work? Hmm. 
Uh, I think we kind of covered it, how a lot of the, the societal micro isn't as effective from a social point of view. <laughs> I would say that the uh, that the envoys are also spies. Uh, no, no, that, uh, no, that that works. They, they double as that. that. That's... Uh... Yeah. I, I, uh... nah, historically, that's very sound. Uh, diplomatic Shoot. corps are, you, are also... Espionage Corp. In to d- depending on how far you want to extend the idea of uh, espionage, let's say uh, diplomats are spies people know about. <laughs> so no, it, it, hmm. historically that's kind of true. Uh, I do think that there are diplomats, and within the entourage of the diplomat, there are spies. Oh no, I that's wouldn't say one on one. Oh no, yeah. of course not. I mean, it's like a, from a from a fantasy aspect. Of course, a diplomat isn't necessarily okay. yeah, a spy, enough. but they serve close enough functions that you could say a diplomat is a kind of spy, so to speak. Sure. <laughs> I understand and it has to be a sci-fi game and it does never, it doesn't forget the sci. It doesn't. So to speak. Yeah. Um, the problem here then is maybe that it does lead to some tendencies of th- technological determinism. Yeah. They deal with it much more responsibly, not at all to the same degree of that technological determinism that uh, Yufal Harari, for instance, ascribes to in our <laughs> uh, episode with Justin from Library Punk. Oh, uh, yeah. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't, don't want to talk about that guy. And I wouldn't say, they are doing a technological determinism. It's just, once again, we need to be careful with these notions. And I also said that it never, uh, it doesn't fill in forgetting that it's a video. Uh, we do have to s- select where we narrow down all these, these elements. Yeah. These, these very wide-ranging things. Technology is one of them. Yeah, I do think that you cannot have a thriving empire without. They're just called empires, I believe. It doesn't have to be an emperor, but like you know, mm. you cannot have a space-faring civilization without a thriving, somewhat thriving science division. Yeah, I think that's very important because I would say that's the case. Yeah, exactly. I think they they also get away with the fact that it's like it's very the science you're doing is very deliberate. And sometimes stuff that happens in not usually in our empire, but outside of it that you interact with and whatever can add to the progress of that, or like the progress yeah. bar of the tech that you're working on. So like on the field broadly or whatnot. So it it gets away better than most, not half of which because it's again sci-fi. To uh, close off on, uh, if you have an answer to this, what's your favorite event from the game? What's your favorite? Uh... <sighs> I've definitely of, not uh... played enough to 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 be able to choose. <laughs> one did you remember fondly? I I like the Event Horizon one. <laughs> okay, it's a very nice one. I like a lot of the archaeology ones. There are some which are very yeah. compelling, and I just like yeah, I like this. Also, there, there are some which are blatantly hilarious. It's like, why why is there a, a thingy in in uh, uh, this ceramic thing floating in orbit? Why is this here? Can yeah. can anyone say why is this here? And sometimes, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no. It's, it's very interesting. Like I'm going to send this science science team to a planet with ruins very deep below the ground. Am I going to get like a ten plus in energy, or am I going to lose <laughs> a scientist? <laughs> this is like this cool little roll of the dice that we experience when playing these games, and I do I do like that. Its strategy is in a lot of the cases, which dice do we roll when? Yeah. And I, I do think that is a very safe and good approach to grand strategy. 
mm-hmm. um, yeah, because that's how you get, that's how you gamify it. You know, you get to decide when you do what, and you have to be smart enough to recognize when what would be a good timing to do. And then there's always the chaos of life elements, as in the random event can just pop off. Oh, oh, suddenly the robots were rising up or whatever when you try to do something else. Here you know? comes the contingency. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know that that is that is a premise you have to accept uh, of the game, and I think it's it's a decent one. Yeah, because you can always start again. You know, and the game is designed for you to do multiple playthroughs, so therefore it's fine. It's fine. I like rebuilding the old ring worlds often. Mm, I think that's very yeah. cool. I like me some ring worlds. I like me some halos. I like the mega structure franchise. Yeah, the mega structure is so cool. Uh, I love having like. A little mega structure is like a little crown jewel of my little uh, space fairing. Uh, a brief parenthesis: If you like mega structures and you like Stellaris, check out the mega structural engineering mod. I think that's what it's called from memory. Uh, it's just it adds a lot more mega structures. It adds so much. It adds like another fallen empire. It adds a ho- a lot of stuff, and it allows you a great deal. Giga structural engineering. That's what it's called. It adds a lot of stuff and allows you to tweak different mega structures. So, like, usually you can only build like oh one per empire. They're very slow. They're like in the middle, late mid, late mid to late game. Uh, and this one kind of shuffles it a bit more, allows them to be more frequent and whatnot. Very chaotic, somewhat intensive, very fun. So yeah, I think that's a good uh, note to then end episode on. I agree. I don't know if there's anything you would like to. Uh, no, I think we, we covered there. a lot about Stellaris. So like, yeah, it's not a game with a story. It has many stories. You are the story. You're a story now. Exactly. Congratulations. <laughs> it's a very responsible way to engage with history. <laughs> Christ. But yeah. <laughs> so uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, I hope this episode was of any use to you if you haven't played the game. I think so. As I always do. I think so. I like to think so as well. Yeah, no, totally. Take care, and we will see you very soon. Yeah, see you soon, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. Mm-hmm.